Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. What's your least favorite thing to do around the house? Oh, man. A lot of things, but a lot of times (laughs) it's it's mowing the, I'd probably say it's mowing the lawn because like, it's kind of like making your bed. You have to do it again. And it's like, well, why do it right now? It's about to rain this weekend. I'm just going to, it's going to grow like four inches or uh, practically overnight. I'm going to have to do it again. Like, this is just, it feels repetitive, redundant, just obnoxious when I have to do that. Whereas if I'm, you know, putting in new windows, it's like, ah, this is a facelift and has a lot, a lasting impact. The short impact of mowing the lawn is just the worst. Are you a push mower or a rider? Yeah, I'm a push guy. Okay. I was going to say, seeing your yard, if you were on a rider, we'd have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I always liked it mowing the lawn growing up and we, I, I can't really think of, we haven't had, well, we've had a couple of yards, but I haven't really mowed them. I always <laughs> had a service come to it. Gosh, this makes me sound awful. Yeah. Just a lazy person, <laughs> which really, really correlates into our podcast episode everybody it's bobby and cole we are jumping into a new topic that is uh near and dear mostly to cole's heart but my my heart as well but during our love's first annual conference ultraviolet cole conducted this great session about the psychology of marketing and so what we're kind of talking about or thinking of in the subject is in the cognitive clouds. So kind of jumping into some of the decisions, why people make the decisions they do and how marketers can be more efficient and effective at achieving their desired outcomes. And the first episode is law of least effort. So talking about mowing the lawn and actually not actually having to do it. But anyway, it's, it's (laughs) it's a topic that typically gets ignored as we think about the psychology of marketing and replace sort of like tactical goals and objectives. And I think a really good example and kudos to our coworker and friend, Nick Burgraff, for we, we get this text about a preference center a couple of weeks ago and how, you know, for years, almost everybody recommends, Oh, you got to have a preference. Center. You got to have a preference center. It's the best practice across the industry, but why what's, what's the most effective way to provide preferences or options to subscribers is the preference center an effective way of measuring a subscriber's preferences or intent. So these are the kinds of questions we want to dive into better understand as technologists and marketers, like how should we spend our time? How should we give a better experience, to our subscribers, our customers, patrons, patients, whatever it may be. So they have the best possible experience. Yeah, and so the, the I'll kind of lay the the foundation with uh, the the concept behind the cognitive clouds here for these you know next few episodes is based on a framework of in the theoretical world there's um, kind of a spectrum of beliefs on how we build models to view the practical world. So on one end you have the neoclassical economics, which is you know your your sort of like textbook 
supply and demand, diminished returns, everything that we learned in school that, and it basically states that um, people, you know, do or should act perfectly rational are fully informed and they'll make decisions as such. And on the other end of that, we have the psychology end, which basically says people are the opposite of rational. We're all crazy and things like um, influences and other people and habits and emotions and certain stimuli distract us and have a big impact on our choices and in the way we act. Therefore, we're all just crazy. And somewhere in the middle, uh, there's this sort of blend where there, there's an attempt to kind of marry theory to practice in what they call behavioral economics. And this says that basically we operate under what's called bounded rationality. And so it's our human nature that we have limited bandwidth, limited resources and limited access to information, but we do the best with what we can with those. And so, and Bobby, using your preference centers example, when we look at it at that, as that context, the neoclassical economics ground says that, okay, well, there really should be no frustration on the part of consumers because marketers should all supply preference centers. If consumers ever have issues, they go to those preference centers, they update preferences or unsubscribe or do whatever. And we live in a perfectly harmonious situation here. Um, that sounds great in theory, right? On the other side, you know, the, the psychology end, it says that, well, consumers don't even know what they really want. Even if they could communicate it, they would probably do it incorrectly. The things are going to change. And, you know, there's actually, there's some truth to that and we'll, a principle called dynamic inconsistency, which we'll touch on in a later episode. But um, to an extent, there's something to that. But in the middle ground, that sort of behavioral economics standpoint, it kind of says, you know, th this is where we get the idea of, well, is it really incumbent upon a consumer to make to go through the effort of updating preferences and sharing these things explicitly with a brand or, or, or a company? Um, or is that really on the company's side to kind of figure out and you know explicitly and implicitly gather? And so it's it, that, that that kind of lays the framework with like these you know sort of three blends of what we think. And a lot of times when we think about preference centers. That is very much because of that neo neoclassical economic standpoint. So um, the, the first principle that we're talking about today is law of least effort. And what that basically says is that we're all super lazy and we're wired to be lazy. Hey, um, hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't even mow your own lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, I, I mentioned this author, Daniel Kahneman, uh, in, in the um, ultraviolet talk, but he's kind of like the, you know, he's a Nobel Prize winner, kind of the godfather, one of the godfathers of behavioral economics. And he authored uh, a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. And it's really about kind of like the high level and low level processing. Low level processing is just things that we don't need to make conscious decisions about, that we have certain heuristics and biases and habits that inform what we do because we don't have to make decisions about everything all day. If we did, we would just be bogged down. Um, the, is that kind the, of the, the thought that like you're basically just a product of your environment? Is it kind of along the same lines? Um, it, to some extent, but there's nuances that that don't really qualify that as well. But it's it's things like um, so in the in the concept of like cognitive load, there's a certain bandwidth or uh, ability to um, bear so much load on our minds every day. And this is the same reason that like Steve Jobs always wore a turtleneck, uh, a mock turtleneck and jeans 
or why you know why Mark Zuckerberg always wore hoodies, uh, because the, the concept is, and there's a lot of there's a lot of science behind this. If we remove the friction of mundane decisions, we can actually save that cognitive energy for higher level processing. And these are things like more strategic decisions. What should my company be doing? What's the next move? What is you know future technology taking me into? Rather than like you know what am I wearing today on on my next Zoom call or whatever it might be. Um, what if you just struggle with every decision all the time? <laughs> or well, actually, no. Let me rephrase that. I don't think I have much cognitive uh, function at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> Bobby, I wouldn't quite, I wouldn't totally disagree with you there. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the, the, the thing is, it's like, it's human nature to, to sort of have that, that issue. So um, in the law of least effort, it says like, if, if there are two products on the shelf and they're the exact same product, exact same benefits, same brand, everything, but they're two different prices, everyone 100% of the time will go for the lower price. Why would you expend more when you, you know, for the same thing? And this is true for non-monetary resources as well. So when it comes to our time, our energy, our attention, leveraging our, our resources, that's all considered currency to us. And so our goal is to get as much as possible for exp while expending as little as possible. So it's not that we're, it's not that, lazy is necessarily bad it's just that lazy is most efficient and effective for us and so like that's that's why you know we, we have these you know that's that's why if we're you know being intelligent about things we kind of remove small decisions and focus on you know bigger more strategic initiatives um, even though they can be bigger scarier decisions and take a lot more of that processing but and it's so interesting because not only like thinking about on the consumer side where we're asking someone, like in the, in the notion of going back to the preference in our example, we're asking someone, hey, what do you want to receive? Which I think to us in the in our own law of least effort is, well, we just want someone else to tell us what they want because mm -hmm. we want to honor what their preferences are. Well, especially now in the age of how much information we have on people, we could should probably be able to make those assumptions for them but then we've also got this weird caveat where a lot of people don't want to have those um, decisions made for them or assumptions made for them. So it's really interesting of like the the kind of the dichotomy of these these two elements, right? Where we assume people want to be catered to or personalized to in a specific way, but there are still some of those people that don't. And then kind of thinking about the that law of least effort in a different sense of outside of the consumer space is like just in our jobs, right? Like how impressed are you when you come to a meeting and someone is fully prepared for that meeting and they know what they want to get out of it and they are able to adequately express their thoughts or opinions. But also how many times have we been on phone calls where someone's like, so what do you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was just yesterday, I was on an interaction studio call and uh, we, had, we had set up a call to kind of like go through and discover use cases and talk about like what, you know, what their business objectives were and what we could use interaction studio and real-time interaction management to apply to, you know, to make uh, progress on some of those objectives. And before we came to the meeting, 
they gave us like a list of like 30 different bullets of like questions and ideas that they had and uh, like, you know, how, like in rank order of their business objectives. And I, we kind of looked at this, we're like, and this felt so unnatural because usually we have to, you know, schedule a meeting to pry this out of somebody because they're, they're, they're not prepared because preparation, of course, is effort, right? And so this was, that's what it was so unusual for us is like, they were doing the, the opposite of law of least effort. So hats off to them. They, they did a great job. And so we got into the meeting. We're like, oh, this is great. Let's just dig in. And, and you know, we ended up having, you know, probably being a week ahead uh, of where we should have been because of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very unnatural because normally we just, it's, it's natural for people to kind of sit back on their haunches and, and wait for things to come to them. And we do that as marketers. We do that when, you know, we want, it's easier for us to just build that preference center and let that go to, um, you know, put the brunt of the, the workload on the consumer. And, and there's uh, two reasons I'll cover off real quick that are kind of behind this. And they're behind a number of these concepts that we're talking about, uh, that we will talk about. But there's sort of like a cause and effect to why we're, we're you know, essentially lazy. And so one is loss aversion. That's a really common thread that kind of like weaves through a lot of different um, elements in psychology and behavioral economics. But basically, you know, we all know that like fear and humor and marketing always, you know, always was super memorable. And people say like, what's, you know, what, what tends to be more memorable, fear or humor? Well, the fact of the matter is most studies will suggest fear uh, because lo that loss aversion, that, that fear of losing things Actually, and this gets into other concepts um, that we may or may not touch on later, like prospect theory or endowment effect. But people are, generally speaking, more afraid to lose something than they are to gain something. And that actually says a lot more about like the just general human psyche as is. But the, the, the fear of losing something, losing more resources or money or something on a decision that I otherwise could have saved on is a terrifying thought. Um, the other element that plays into this law of least effort is, is cognitive dissonance. And for a lot of times in, in marketers and in, in consumer behavior, this rears its ugly head in the form of buyer's remorse. But cognitive dissonance is basically when beliefs and attitudes don't seem to match up with um, what we know as fact and knowledge. And so, you know, if I think I'm buying the best product and I, I find the reviews and stuff later on, say otherwise, and my experience says otherwise, then I have cognitive dissonance. And then this, again, in this form is buyer's remorse. And so these are things that kind of drive us to like analysis paralysis or making, you know, uh, no decision. And so like law of least effort is like, how do I minimize my processing? How do I get the most out of my effort while expending the least? And so when you can think about like consumer's attention span, you know, we scratch our heads as marketers when we have like, oh, well, we have like open service cases. They can go here, call this number, go in and do this if they have an issue. Well, what's easier going through that entire process of filing and following up on service cases, which, you know, we've all gone through our own personal hells of having to do that before with certain, you know, with certain products and things. Um, or is it easier just to leave a negative review and never use your product again? Law of least effort says, I'm just going to do the easy thing. And so when, when, dissonance is the only term I remember from school, which I was a marketing major. So I, uh, <laughs> it, but it's, it's funny to think about it that way in, in conjunction with the law of least effort, because to your point, it's 
and I think too, we've kind of been trained a little bit by these online reviews and presence where if I make a bad review, the brand will reach out to me. So I can just jump on Google, put in this bad review and maybe they'll reach out to me versus just going and like functioning a return or an exchange directly on the site. Yeah, it's, well, it's conditioned now, but the fact is that that means that it wasn't proactively served to you in a manner that you could better address your needs. You had to go through some, you know, superfluous effort of like putting down a poor review, which doesn't benefit them or you. Um, and there's a bunch of, you know, sadly entertaining psychology uh, studies around why people love to post negative reviews and not so much positive. Um, but I won't get into that. Uh, also, uh, kind of thinking of this in the lens again of that preference center, when we think of law of least effort and from our consumer's standpoint, what's easier? You know, like there's basically two things that, that uh, a subscriber can do when they become unengaged. They can either go to the bottom of, of an email and unsubscribe there or visit the preference center and update their, their preference options. Or the easier thing to do is nothing at all. And so they let those emails either go to spam or they just ignore them and, or they just, you know, go just straight to uh, delete and they do nothing. And then we as marketers, we scratch our heads because we don't know what's going on. Um, and it's a matter of time till we have, have to assume that they're just uh, no longer wanting to receive emails from us, even though they've never actually told us that. And so it, it, it gets to this point where it's like, it's a little irrational the way we we think about as marketers, the way we think about these preference centers, because it's not the customer's job to go there and update us as much as it is like for us to make it more convenient for them to update. And so like whether that's building models based on engagement and, you know, implicit models or whether that's, you know, just doing things like progressive profiling and uh, providing more areas for input where they can actually, where a consumer can actually tell us what they're looking for implicitly or explicitly, whether through browse behavior, app activity, or whether it's, you know, us just sending out like interactive email or, or AMP for email, you know, the, um, I think it was the January release that we covered that was um, AMP for email where we can build up steps and just say like, hey, we're not driving you to a landing page. We're not making you go visit a preference center or click on things to, you know, move you to another page. We're just saying like in the email, you can just tell us um, interactively what you like, what you don't like, toggle here and there. And that allows us to make this a better experience for you. We're not taking PI and we're not taking personal information from you. We're just asking if you'd like to provide input, here's a way to do it without you expending anything more than the movement of a finger on your screen. Do you think most marketers are hopeless romantics? Um, and the reason, I say, the reason I say that is because how many conversations have you had over the years where people don't wanna remove subscribers who haven't been engaged for a period of time because they think at some point, this person may buy something after I send them the 304th email, yeah. you know? It's, so this is this is exactly where loss aversion is like ground zero for marketers because anything that that we let go of is and that you know that's that's tr also true for we'll get into this uh next week with paradox of choice but like that's that's the big misconception 
around the more is greater when everything we know as marketers says like more highly targeted, smaller audiences always perform better than huge batch and blast audiences. But we still get this concept that volume and not letting anything go and losing any sort of PII or any sort of data or any sort of like customer information is devastating to us because that's loss aversion. We're afraid to lose that. But the fact of the matter is, you, you, you know, like we talked about with, you know, the iOS update, this is not your, your data. You're borrowing this in hopes that, that you're benefiting your, your consumers. It's so interesting because the, you know, yeah, just the, the loss aversion piece of it of people being afraid to remove people. I think the one thing that I find really interesting too, and this is as, as I've gotten older, but you know, there's only like a finite amount of time or a finite amount of, you know, for me, I think about my, like my personal inbox as, you know, I, I've gotten really good at unsubscribing from things that I don't find interesting anymore, or I'm just not uh there's there's i was going to purchase something from a particular company so i subscribed or now i'm not part of that value in that evaluation stage anymore or whatever it might be and it'd be great to have, have like to have marketers think about that the same way like is the is the campaign or the message or the content that i'm sending is this something that i would want to receive is it something that is actually going to provide value to the customer. And I think that goes back to the preference center example, which I know we keep using, but I think it's really relevant of like, should you have like, do you really have like 14 different, like outside of like media where there's like newsletters and different like topics and that sort of thing. But like for most brands, if you've got 10 to 14 different preferences on a preference center, you probably aren't providing all that great content. <laughs> If you're trying to manage all of this and you're trying to get people to decide which of these 10 to 14 that they actually want. Exactly. And I'm like, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up because we've talked before you and I, Bobby, about how, how this falls like inherently true for products and for consultancies and salespeople. And it's this, this notion, this, you know, same law of least effort notion of, I, I, I want a cookie cutter recipe that provides this and like, okay, here's the preference center. Here's my subscription list. Here's everything. Like we want a, an easy one, two, three steps to follow, but the more difficult thing to do is to apply more energy, more attention and more focus around what the consumer thinks and feels. And so when we put ourselves in that position, which is an unnatural thing because we're used to being the marketer, but when we put ourselves in that position of being consumer, we're applying more energy, more, more attention. And that's when it's like, okay, instead of saying like, you know, this law of least effort and the, the fact that we're lazy is inherently a bad thing. It's, it's just a, it's a natural thing. How do we make things easier for consumers then? And so that's when it comes to things like interactive email or, you know, even as marketers, we ourselves, we're allowed to be lazy. Let's use AI and machine learning and, and models. And we just build and test on those. But if, if we're, you know, applying these things properly, we're thinking in the very shoes of those consumers saying, okay, I'm probably not going to go to a, a preference center, or at least, you know, 95 plus percent of my consumers aren't going to see my preference center at any given time. What are other ways that I can act with them? What are other things that they're looking for? And what are the cues in, in behavioral instances that they're showing me that tell me that there's something else out there that I'm missing the mark on? And a lot of times we just don't naturally listen to that because 
it's not part of that rinse and repeat cycle that we as marketers or we as human beings or any business want to be want to believe is actually what what works and i think too there's a lot of for a lot of marketers they feel like uh you know you talked about you know what we can do or what marketers can do to better target or better uh, provide preferences essentially on behalf of their subscribers or customers or whatever that might be and you know ai and machine learning and all of those things play a part in it and i think that the what a lot of marketers will tell you is that there's there's a human side to it, right? It's not all like AI or machine learning, or if we're talking about Salesforce specifically, Einstein. Um, however, a lot of that information can be used in a human way, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. So as a marketer, if you're really focused on providing the right content and you really understand the brand that you're representing and you want to make sure you're sharing that brand with your subscribers or customers in a particular way, that's awesome. And that's admirable. But then how do you combine that with certain AI or machine learning functionalities to make your job more efficient, going back to the whole laziness piece of it, but also providing your consumers or your subscribers with an overall better experience? Yeah, and it's, that's the thing, like there's a lot of things marketers can do. Um, and, you know, even in Salesforce, like within Marketing Cloud, there's, you know, sin time optimization and engagement frequency and scoring, things like that, that at least, you know, just get us started and, and just, you know, that, that we can um, kind of take advantage of that lazy, you know, that, that lazy nature of ours. Um, the, the thing we have to fight is we have to go back and revisit all those models and we have to update those. And, you know, even though we, you know, preach this until we're blue in the face as marketers, but you're always having optimizing and testing and iterating on things. But the fact of the matter is if, and this is why like new hires and things like that come in and kind of turn things upside down a lot of times, because they'll just look at on paper, they'll say like, we've had the same, you know, welcome series for four years. Like has nothing really changed with our company <laughs> or our experience? Like do it's like, so funny you say that. I was just talking with a company this week, one of the largest 25 companies in the world. And we were talking about reporting analytics on the marketing side. And they're like, yeah, we have these benchmarks. They're like, oh, great. How often do you update these benchmarks? Oh, we set it up two years ago. We haven't touched them yeah. since. Exactly. <laughs> but but that's, that's what's so easy is law of least effort says we're not going to update those. We're just going to sit back and, you know, if it's done once, it's done. And that's why, like, I'm all for AI and machine learning and these things like that. But if you don't revisit, you don't constantly tinker with these things and grow and learn and test, then, you know, they just become random assortments of benchmarks for the sake of benchmark. What's your favorite, uh, like, um, cliffhanger? So, like, if you're listening to the radio, you got those great DJs and things like that. And uh, what's your favorite, like, uh, and next, after the break, we'll tell you how Cole became a millionaire by doing nothing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know that I have a favorite one because I always view them in the, in the eyes of a marketer. So like, oh, click through this. You'll laugh at number 31. I'm like, I'm not clicking through 31 of these things to find out whatever you're talking about, which was just an arbitrary clickbait, you know? So I think for me, I don't think I have a favorite one because everyone I look at, you know, with just like a, a, a grain of salt, like, no, I'm not buying it. I know this is the teaser to get me going, but I know you have one. 
Well, no, I was thinking about, you know, the other topics that we're going to touch on as part of in the cognitive clouds. And I was thinking <laughs> like in your, in your best radio DJ voice, how could you preview some of the other topics that we're going to touch on? Oh, yeah. So we, we've got a few uh, things. Like, so we talked about dynamic inconsistency in a little bit. And that's the, uh, you know, the concept that uh, a consumer or any human being that, that states what they're looking for at one time, we as marketers will just kind of attach to that glom on the only time they fill out a preference center, for example, and we'll attach to that and say, okay, that is this consumer. Um, whereas like time is just one of the many factors that changes. They may have already made a purchase and it may have, you know, a lot of things can change. And so that what they're looking for may entirely change. Dynamic inconsistency is a really um, neat one that I feel like marketers miss the boat on a lot. Another one is paradox of choice. I covered that one as well in the, uh, or I touched on it at least, you know, uh, at a high level in the uh, ultraviolet um, talk that we had, but that one is a super interesting and like extremely counterintuitive thought that I feel like wakes up a lot of marketers from, you know, our natural instincts. So we'll have a few of these types of concepts, but a lot of them, you'll hear things like loss aversion and things like that woven through these that makes a lot of sense as they develop. If you want to learn how to become the best marketer alive without having to do anything, stay tuned. <laughs> you sound like the 1960s Batman. Um, oh, gosh, who was that? Who was the actor that played Batman? Oh, I mean, that costume was horrible. I think it's awesome. Um, as well, though, we also want to extend, like, if there are certain topics or questions, um, we're always open to, um, you know, feedback and understanding what you guys want to hear about. And so if there are certain, you know, marketing psychology or behavioral economics um, concepts that you'd like to dig into a little more, we're all ears. Um, I, I'd love to make sure that what we're talking about uh, most conforms to what, 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 uh, what people are interested in. Um, Adam West, that's who, that's who Batman was. Adam West, <laughs> there you go. Biff Boom Pal. Maybe Love we should that. have him on the podcast. Oh, he, his voice was awesome too. So th thinking of law of least effort, moving on to completely unrelated and how we all found out from Cole that we're all just a bunch of lazy, shiftless losers. <laughs> what's, your, what's your most embarrassing laziness trait? Um, so... I probably shouldn't admit this, but like, you know, constantly looking through like a marketer's eyes and everything like that. Um, I am the consumer that no one likes. I don't unsubscribe from stuff because I'm like, man, you know, maybe I'll leave that later. Man, loss aversion. I don't want to totally unsubscribe from it. So I might use that later. You should see. Well, my... you have a huge fear of missing out in general. Oh, I have, to I have total FOMO. But yeah, my, my personal Gmail inbox is just littered with garbage that I've just never unsubscribed <laughs> from <laughs> and unread messages. It's the, it's the worst. If you ever want to get a hold of me, do not email my personal inbox. It's basically like I have two of them because one of them got so much spam. I had to leave it and just get an, a whole new address. <laughs> so you're still getting like uh, college admissions, marketing material. You know, I, I may go to Ball State. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I just, I don't know. The jury's out, you know, like, yeah, what if I do want to update my GeoCities site? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I may want to switch careers to be an engineer at some point, so I should probably keep getting messages from the Engineering Institute of America. 
I'm not trying to close any doors here. I'm trying to just make sure the opportunities are open. All right, what about you, Bobby? What is your uh, most embarrassing lazy trait? It's gotta be stuff around the house. My wife is by far the handy person in the relationship. And so right now she's like framing out walls upstairs and gonna be putting in beadboard and trim and painting this weekend. And we actually had to have a conversation a couple of years ago because I, I, I want to learn how to do these things, but I'm so bad at them that it just takes like 10 times longer for me to do them. And so a couple of years ago, we were in the middle of this, of this project and she was just like, I just need you to be my assistant. I need you to just hand me the tools, <laughs> get me the stuff that I need. And because this is the stuff I like to do, you know, you're, you like the, the stuff with your job. You're good at that. Let me just have this. And so I've really, I feel like I've really come into my own in that. Like when, when I know that's going to be like a working weekend, I, I get excited about it now. Cause I know I'm just going to be like Vanna White, essentially like, here you go, sweetheart. Uh, and, and try to help there. But even little things like um, if I'm watching TV and I can't find the remote and it, it could be, it could just be that I'm sitting on it, <laughs> but I don't want to actually have to stand up to get it, to change the channel. The way you describe how how your wife you you became her special little helper, like I imagine her like being like, hey, you know, you know, be real. You're like, how, how can I help? She's like, you know, would be really helpful um, if you counted all the nail, the finishing nails in this box here. And you're like, well, it says 250 nails. But like, yeah, that's false advertising. I don't trust them. Why don't you count? You're like, it's a good thing I'm here. I'll help. <laughs> Who's my special helper? <laughs> you know what? I bet in her head. That's how she talks to me. Like she might be like, hey, can you grab me the hammer? But inside she's thinking, hey, buddy, could you go get the hammer, please? <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks for walking us through this. I'm excited for the upcoming topics. Um, and like Cole had mentioned, please reach out to us at, in the clouds at lovedigital.com if there are specific topics you want us to cover on or specific elements within marketing psychology that are of interest. But thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.